0: Well, good morning Church of the City. It is good to be with you for the start of our 2020 vision series. You know, this is something we do every year as a church, returning to the basics, to the essentials. Who is God? Who are we? What is the gospel? Why do we do the things we do? But I've been saying for a little while now, I think that this perhaps is the most important year that we've ever been in to return to those things, to remember the essentials. And so I would encourage you, invite you to make these five weeks a priority for yourself and for your family. And as I said earlier in the week, if you saw my uh, message to you all, if you're still watching these Reunion Online videos alone, I'd encourage you to find some people to watch with, whether they be folks from your missional community, uh, some other people from the church, you can always let us know if you want to get t- connected with a group to watch with. And we would really encourage you to do that. All right, just a few things to make you aware of this morning. and. I'm pretty excited about this list of announcements this morning, I'll just be honest about that. Uh, First of all, connected to hearing from our students, tomorrow there's a group on the University of Guelph campus that is commissioning prayer for students, for faculty, for the year ahead. And so, if you have some time tomorrow and you think of it, I would encourage you to pray for students. We'll likely post a little bit of a guide that might give you some things to pray about in the comments section if you're watching this on Facebook. Uh, But if not, we would just encourage you to find a few minutes tomorrow to pray for students in this really unusual year that they are heading into. Secondly, uh, a couple of weeks ago we had a in-person gathering as a church at Norm Jerry Park, the opportunity to say goodbye to Matt and Andrea. I know a lot of you made it out to that. We want to do more things like this. And very soon, I wish that we were able to announce it this morning, but there's a few details to sort out. Very soon we're going to have an announcement coming out about our next in-person gathering. So stay tuned for that. We'll probably be announcing that next week uh, during Reunion Online, so encourage you to, to listen for that. Uh, last, but certainly not least, uh, many of you will be aware that Hannah Nellis uh, was filling the role of city youth intern for the last number of years for us, um, working with the city youth missional community and youth volunteers um, to help disciple and uh, commission our youth to be on mission with their friends um, and in their schools. Hannah and her husband Tim have moved to London, and so. Uh, through that process of saying goodbye to Hannah, we realized that this role needed to shift into uh, a part time position for this to actually be a coordinator role, uh, similar to the way that Brigida fills that role for City Kids. And I'm excited to announce to you this morning that we have um, finalized the hiring of Michaela Weinberger for our City Youth Coordinator position. And so I just, I know many of you will know Michaela, but I wanted those of you who don't know her and all of the rest of us to be able to to be introduced to Michaela and hear some of her vision for students in the year ahead and this ministry to our students. So, we're going to turn it over to a quick little interview with Michaela. So, Michaela, it is great to be able to welcome you to our team, and uh, I, for one, am excited about you filling this role and, um, yeah, what what our city youth is going to look like with you leading it. For those who may not know you in our church family, I know a lot of people will, but um, could you introduce yourself maybe and just tell us a little bit about uh, who Michaela Weinberger
1: is? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so for those of you that don't know me, my name is Michaela. I'm a fifth-year university student finishing up my undergrad at Guelph in international development. I love music and poetry. I'm really passionate about global development, specifically refugees in the Middle East and i love new food whether that means eating it or cooking it um i started going to church city in my first year and got involved in the city youth mc in my second year and really over the past four years at church of the city i have learned what the phrase church family means specifically through um, my mc and i have seriously loved every minute of being a youth leader the past three years um Youth, if you're watching, um, we miss you and we love you. And parents of youth, you are doing a great job.
0: Yeah. So as you said there, uh, you're not new to City, not new to Church of the City and not new to City Youth stuff. So maybe give us uh, one of your favorite memories uh, from your time with youth so far.
1: Yeah. I would have to say a lot of my favorite memories probably come from our winter youth retreats. Um, Specifically, the last three years, myself and our previous youth coordinator, Hannah, have written this story of a secret agent lawn gnome named Norman and his sidekick, a ceramic chicken named Kevin. Um, And just seeing the kids buy into that story so much and be so committed to the games has been pretty hilarious.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. What you know, we know that we're in a strange time right now, and that applies to youth too, but we still have you know plans. And so, what would be some of your hopes for our youth in the year ahead?
1: Yeah, kind of thinking about this question, I kind of thought of yeah, three main goals. Um, one being teaching the kids. To articulate the gospel to their friends that don't know Jesus, not just to know the Bible stories for themselves, but um, know how to share what they're learning to their friends in a way that shows them that it's good news for their friends as well. Um, And then helping the youth um, build some sort of routine um, of personal time with God themselves. And then lastly, helping the youth and the families of youth be on mission together. Mm.
0: Awesome. Those are some good, uh, some good goals. (laughs) Um, Lastly, maybe share with us some ways that we as a church can be uh, praying for you specifically as you step into this role and um, maybe you're the team of youth leaders that you'll be kind of at the helm of now. What would be some specific ways that, yeah, that we could be praying for you as a church?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, if you guys can be praying for our MC as we adjust to two really key um, members transitioning out over the next little bit, um, Hannah and Tim. And then, yeah, just pray for our MC as we navigate what youth looks like in the fall in our current circumstances um, to come up with something that is safe and still fun and engaging that gets the youth connected and helps accomplish those three goals that I just talked about.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, that's great, and uh, everyone, if you want the opportunity to just welcome Michaela, particularly if you're a parent uh, of one of our teenagers, and you want to welcome her on and um, let her know you're praying for her, or if you have any questions about um, youth, about uh, yeah, what's happening in the coming weeks and months, uh, Michaela's just started, so she's still figuring a lot of that out, but you can email her at her newly minted email address cityyouth@churchofthecity.ca, and she'll be happy to uh, dialogue with you about some of that stuff. All right. Thanks, Michaela. And uh, we're excited to be seeing more of you in the days ahead.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah. Well, this is the time that we take every morning to Uh, remind ourselves to be a generous people everything that we have is a gift from God and so we want to give back to him through the local church and we did this a few weeks ago and I really enjoyed it and so we're going to try again the reading of a liturgy together so in a moment you're going to see the words on the screen and we're just going to read it you're actually not going to hear me reading it I'm going to kick it over to you so whoever you're watching with just read this liturgy together and then we'll continue on with our service You know, if I had to pick a word to describe the last six months and what we've been experiencing, I might pick the word disorienting. You can probably relate with me uh, to that. You know, the the rhythms, routines that we had, our ways of looking at the world, sometimes were, were badly shaken and sometimes they were outright shattered by all the crises going on in the world around us. And the danger in a time like that is that particularly for us as followers of Jesus, is we can become so disoriented, so bewildered, that we become like ships in a storm. No anchor, no sense of direction, no understanding of of where we've come from or where we're going. And so you might ask, well, what do we do about that? You know, maybe, maybe the answer is just to look ahead, just to think about the future and that is important and and we'll get there through the course of this vision series but i think before we do that it's important for us to acknowledge and try and understand where we are right now and for this time that's going to mean some lament that's going to mean some naming of our losses that we've been experiencing over these last months and so i know that there are those in our community who have lost jobs over the last six months. Some of you have lost multiple jobs and perhaps hardest of all there are those who have lost a job that you really loved. Something that maybe you saw yourself doing for a long long time. That's hard. That's difficult. Some of you related to that lost the financial safety net that you had been working for years to to build and now your future at least in that sense is a little bit murkier than it was a little while ago that's hard that's difficult and many of us many of us lost the opportunity to close a particular chapter in our lives well or to close it the way that we had envisioned doing so i'm thinking about you students who had been working for years on a degree or or uh, wrapping up a thesis and all of a sudden your graduation or your defense doesn't look anything, didn't look anything the way that you had imagined it looking. That's difficult. That's disappointing. And finally, I know that there are those in our community who have lost loved ones during this time. And mourning the loss of someone over these last six months has been strange and unusual and difficult, to say the least. None of this to mention what it means to be on mission during a time like this, because we all probably know people who look at something like a global pandemic as evidence that God must not exist. And if He does, then He certainly can't be good. It's a tough time to be on mission right now. And so, friends, I think... It's incredibly important to acknowledge this place that we are in, though it means lament, though it means acknowledging sadness. Walter Brueggemann, who's a a Christian writer and thinker, talks a lot about this, and I want to read for you some of his words. He says, Our sense of loss and sadness is serious and honorable, and one need not prop up or engage in denial. This is where we find ourselves right now. So what do we do? Again, maybe now you might expect me to turn a page and all of a sudden come with a, a burst of enthusiasm. I think actually what we do when we find ourselves in this place is we try and dig our roots down deeper into the truths of who God is, of who we are, of what the gospel is. And so that's my hope for the next five weeks, friends, is that our roots would go down deep into those truths. Again, Walter Brueggemann, he writes, Our rootedness enables us to belong, knowing who we are. That's my hope and my prayer for the weeks ahead. And so this morning, we're going to try and put our roots down deep into the truth of the gospel. What is the gospel? I'll use the same definition that Matt used last year during our vision series. He said, The gospel is the good news of God rescuing and restoring creation through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. I love that definition because it captures the cosmic reality of what God has been up to for all of human history to redeem and restore things. And sometimes I think it's easy for us to forget about how big God's plan is, how big the plan of salvation really is, and we limit it to the individual level. But a funny thing happens even when we do that, even when we talk about the gospel just as it relates to you or to me, sometimes even on that level we can minimize things. We can flatten it a little bit. And so my hope this morning, we will talk about what does the gospel mean for me? What does it mean for you? But I hope that we can... Uh, remind ourselves of the fullness, the bigness of the gospel in that regard. Romans 1.16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Those are some big words that Paul is using, aren't they? The gospel is the power of God for salvation. Everyone who believes will experience the power of God. Now, what does this look like in the life of a believer? It seems pretty important for us to understand that, to wrap our, wrap our minds around that, doesn't it? So you've probably noticed, I hope you've noticed, that we're recording this in a little bit of a different location than is usual. Behind me is the dam at Guelph Lake. And I hate to maybe burst your bubble on this, but calling Guelph Lake Guelph Lake is actually a little bit misleading because it's really a reservoir uh, created in 1976 by the completion of this dam. And it's one of five similar reservoirs in our region managed by the Grand River Conservation Authority. These reservoirs were created as a a fail-safe for this region to uh, manage water levels when they get too high, like when the snow melts very rapidly. We've seen that happen a few times in the last uh, number of years. And uh, to be a little bit of a backup when water levels are low. Uh, Downtown Galt uh, in Cambridge where Sam and I lived prior to moving to Guelph used to be one of the hardest hit areas when flooding would happen. There's some really incredible pictures online you could see of that. But Guelph wasn't immune either. I was uh, reading some articles about that this week and one uh, was quoting a, a longtime Guelph resident and some of his experiences when the water levels would get high before these dams and reservoirs were here. He said, Wellington Street could be impassable. At Gordon and Wellington, that was a lake. After they put the dams in, we had less and less of that water. A, another article kind of summarized the function of these dams by saying this. The fact that nervously watching river levels isn't a part of our daily routine is a sign that the, that the dams are working. Now I want you to imagine a conversation with me for just a moment. Imagine that you and a neighbor are are welcoming someone who's just moving into your street, a newly minted Guelph resident. And they're asking you all about things to do in Guelph, all the great places to eat. And then they say, hey, tell me about Guelph Lake. I haven't heard much about it. Now let's say that your neighbor that you've been standing with, welcoming this new uh, resident to your street, jumps in and says, I got this. It's actually a bit misleading to call it a lake. It's, it's really a reservoir created to manage water levels. And the fact, neighbor, that you don't have to uh, monitor river, river levels is evidence that the dams are doing their job. I would hope if that's how the conversation was progressing, that you might jump in and say, hang on a second, neighbor, that is definitely true, but Guelph Lake is so much more than that. There's all kinds of recreational opportunities that the lake has created, canoeing, kayaking, uh, the beaches, the mountain biking trails that I take advantage of quite often around here, the fishing at the lake hillside festival, something, this this music and arts festival that revolves around the lake. Not to mention the fact that the dam actually generates power for this area. So, yes, the dam solved a past problem, that is true, but it also dramatically affects the present reality of life in Guelph. And we could even go so far as to say that there's a a future implication to the dam here. We've all probably heard or read that water is becoming more and more of a scarce resource in our world. And so organizations like the GRCA that uh, work to uh, steward a resource like water are going to become more and more important in the days ahead. This is kind of like the mistake that we can make at times when it comes to our understanding of or the way that we talk about the gospel. We can reduce salvation to the solving of a past problem, the debt of sin that you and I had. And it definitely, salvation definitely has implications for that, big ones. But that's not all that salvation means in the life of a believer. It's much bigger and fuller than that. And so in the same way that this structure behind me is significant for the past, present and future of this region, so the power of salvation reaches back into our past, affects our present, and has hope, brings us hope for the future. So that's what I want to spend uh, the rest of our time together talking about this morning is these three realities of salvation. So first, the past reality, that if you're a follower of Jesus, the day that you put your trust in Jesus, as your Lord, as your Savior, you were saved from the penalty of your sin. Let me read to you from Romans chapter 6. Paul writes, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin, for one who has died has been set free from sin. So if you are a follower of Jesus, the day that the Holy Spirit opened your eyes to the truth of who Jesus was, the debt that you had accrued from sin was taken care of. It was credited to Jesus' account and He took care of it. In theological terms, we call this justification. And friends, I do not mean to diminish this aspect of salvation one bit, this is good news. We couldn't take care of that debt ourselves, and Jesus did it for us. But this is not all. Salvation is bigger than just that. There's a present reality. See you and I, if we're followers of Jesus, day by day, we are being saved from the power of sin. I don't know about you. but. I didn't wake up the day after becoming a follower of Jesus. I didn't wake up the next day all of a sudden living a perfect, sinless life. My wife and sons can attest to the fact that uh, I am still very far from that. But thankfully, the gospel has good news for our day-to-day lives as well. Let me read for you again from another one of Paul's letters, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verses 1-2, to two. he says, Now I would remind you, brothers, it's interesting, Paul doing the same thing that we're doing through this vision series, reminding a church of the basics of who we are and who God is. I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you, which you received, a past tense statement, right? In which you stand, present, and by which you are being saved, an ongoing reality. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believe, in vain. Now you, you might be saying, hang on, I thought you said that the penalty of our sin was, was dealt with, was taken away. Yes, but day by day we are being saved from the power of sin in our lives. Again, in theological terms we call this sanctification. Because we can be honest friends, I'll be honest, there are still corners of my heart and life where I struggle to trust Jesus. I struggle to believe the promises of God there are still treasures in my life that I have my hand so tightly wrapped around and and am afraid to give up and there are still moments each and every day where I fall short and hurt the people around me and hurt the heart of God I trust you can relate to that But there is good news for this present moment, friends. God is not done working on us. It might not always be comfortable, this day-by-day process, but it is good. But again, this is not all. There is a future reality to salvation as well. One day, you and I will be saved from the presence of sin altogether. If you're like me, then the journey, this day by day journey that I just described of being freed from the power of sin, it can feel a little bit like a, a one step forward, two steps back kind of a process. And there's days where that can be discouraging and you think, man, is, is am I making any progress at all? Likewise, sometimes it's on the day on the days where you and I are struggling most to look more like Jesus that we can be most clearly reminded that the people around us, the world around us, our culture has very different goals than we do. And you know, you can feel like the things that you're striving towards are actually pushing you away from the people around you. You know, maybe, maybe you're trying to avoid engaging in that office or uh, classroom gossip. But as you try and take a step back from that, you realize that you're actually being a little bit alienated from your coworkers, perhaps. Or maybe, you know, you're refusing to fudge some numbers on your taxes, and your return ends up being smaller, despite the fact that, you know, some friends talked about some massaging of numbers that you could do and get a little bit of a bigger return. And on and on the list goes. It can be discouraging at times, can't it? If you have ever been in that place, friends, or maybe you're in that place right now, you must, we must, cling tightly to the future hope that salvation offers us. Again, in theological terms, it's the hope of restoration. If you maybe are feeling some of that discouragement right now, I'm going to read a passage, I'd, passage and I'd actually encourage you to maybe just close your eyes and let this sink into your heart in this moment. First Peter 1, verses 3 to 9. The gospel promises us, friends, that Jesus is not only powerful enough, was not only powerful enough to deal with the penalty of our sins, to take that away, but one day he will return and wash away sin and pain and death from this world altogether. This, this right now will not be our reality forever. If you are a follower of Jesus, the salvation of that He has accomplished for us, transforms our past, our present, and our future. And if you are not yet a follower of Jesus, this is the offer that He makes to you. And all we we need to do, as the verse in Romans that we started with, is believe in Him to accept that offer. You know, we started this morning on a bit of a heavy note. Acknowledging the tough reality of the place that we are in right now. And if we have any hope, friends, of, of flourishing during a time like this, and I think we can, we must live each day aware of the full power of salvation in our lives. You say, well, what does that look like? Well, when we live each day recognizing that we have been saved from the penalty of our sin, then guilt and shame is no longer the lens through which we should be looking at the world a lot of people do right a lot of people look at the world through this lens of guilt or shame maybe you've had some things some responses during moments of stress over these last months where you felt like you were at a breaking point and someone did something and and your response is one that you are not proud of no know that god you're standing before god our father is secure Maybe losing a job like we talked about earlier really brought a feeling of shame for you. Why, why was I not why was I not good enough to keep around? God our Father delights in you as a son or a daughter. Similarly, we are being saved from the power of sin. If we live daily in light of that reality, we will recognize that God is not done working on us yet. Maybe during this time, This pandemic or any of the other crises that are going on in the world. You've seen old habits, maybe old addictions that you thought were largely dealt with make a comeback in your life. And maybe that's even shaking your faith. Know, friend, that God is not done working on you yet. The Spirit is ready to continue this partnership with you of day by day making you look more like the person of Jesus and even if you put your head on your pillow at night and feel as though you've taken a step back remember what we said a moment ago God our Father delights in you Your standing with him is secure and finally if we live each day aware that one day we will be saved from the presence of sin altogether followers of Jesus who live in light of that ought to have a durable hope I know many of us are are tired exhausted even with the lack of certainty, the lack of clarity that uh, has characterized this last little while. I'm, for the first time, am am sending a a child to school. Our our oldest, Dallas, is starting JK this year. And so I feel a lot of the same feelings that I know many of you are feeling, parents sending kids back to school, questioning, is this the right thing? What's going to happen in a month or two? But always, always remember, friends, that though we might not have clarity about six months from now or a year from now, you and I have crystal clarity about our ultimate future, and it is one of hope. And that truth, friends, ought to give us this undercurrent uh, of hopefulness, of peace that can withstand difficult, trying seasons like the one we're in right now. I hope, friends, that this morning has allowed you to put your roots down a little bit more and reminded you of the full scope of what the gospel means to you and I and next week we're going to zoom out a little bit and return to where we started this the the cosmic scope of the gospel what God has been doing through all of space and time to renew and restore all things what's the purpose of the gospel that's a question that we'll be looking at next week and I'm excited Well, friends, it has been good to be with you this morning. I am excited for what these five weeks hold for us as a church. Let's pray. Jesus, through the course of this time that we'll spend together in another vision series, would our roots go down deep into the truths of who you are, of the incredible work that you have done on our behalf and how that transforms everything. Would we be reminded of why we do the things that we do? And would we come out of this time together, this vision series, uh, with a feeling of hope, with a a renewed sense of of mission um, and more connected and united to each other as brothers and sisters uh, in Christ, but also as Church of the City, than when we started. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you next week.